Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where each week I, Sam Reinstein, uh, interview different educators to talk about that week's Torah portion. I'm a congregation, congregational rabbi at Congregation Kol Israel, and I've noticed a need for accessible uh, but high-level podcasts and shirim. Uh, this week, I have Willie Bach, or I, I should say Rabbi Willie Bach, um, on with me today. Hi, Willie. Hello, Rabbi Reinstein. How are you? Uh, Willie, uh, do you mind introducing yourself? Not at all. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, being able to to speak Torah with you and learn together from each other, something that we've done previously and I enjoyed immensely. Um, so as you said, my name is Willie Balk. Um, in my current capacity, uh, I work at Yeshiva University as an academic advisor for the undergraduate uh, Torah Studies Department of YU, um, helping guys pick classes, making sure they're happy where they are, deal with any disciplinary issues that may come up, help set you know the policies uh, for the morning programs, and it's a really wonderful experience. And uh, on the weekends, uh, my wife and I serve as uh, the youth directors for Congregation Ahavath Torah in Englewood, New Jersey, a large Orthodox synagogue in Englewood. Uh, I'm also on the rabbinic staff, uh, and it's been a really great opportunity uh, there as well to help you know be in the community and uh, make a difference and make an impact. Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of of kids in the shul. There's always something to do, always something going on, and so it's really been a great experience for us here. Cool. Yeah, that's definitely a busy schedule. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> wonderful but busy. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start off. Uh, just I'm gonna try and do a very quick summary of the parsha, um, just to get everyone's feet wet. Uh, I'm gonna try and do it in 30 seconds. I probably will fail at that, um, but uh, but we'll see. Um, you so can do it. Yeah. So parsha <laughs> parsha uh, Moshe sends scouts out to the land of Canaan. All but Yoshua and Kali bring back scary reports. The Jews believe them. Uh, believe the scary reports and are scared to go into the land, um, so they rebel against God. After Moshe intervenes, God dis- decrees to not destroy the Jewish people, but there will be a 40-year delay in going into the land where an entire new generation was, will be brought up. A group of Jews decide to go up anyways, uh, despite the warning that they could not, but they are killed. Uh, we learn then about challah, which is taken from dough and given to the Kohen. Um, today that piece is burnt. Um, if the Sanhedrin, the great assembly, makes a mistake for the nation, uh, the Sanhedrin has to give a sacrifice. And the Parsha ends off about tzitzit, the fringes on a four-cornered garment. Whew. Okay. Um, so what I... Well, good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Willie is going to be talking about tzitzit um, and going into a little bit of detail um, about the end of the Parsha. Um, so Willie, uh, can you uh, start us off? Happy to discuss. So I know that we just you just gave the whole overview of the Parsha and talked about all the different things that are going on, but I want to focus on something that you mentioned the, nestled at the very, very, very end of the Parsha. Just a few psukim, actually, um, about the mitzvah of tzitzah, something that is uh, you know, not only mentioned in the Torah, but something relevant to uh, a lot of us today. Um, something very meaningful, something that we may think of as, uh, as being rote or mundane and trying to find immense meaning and uh, sort of strengthening what we already have. So uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of the Parsha, 
we talk about the mitzvah tzitzis, I'm just going to read from the from the psukim quickly. It says, sure. So these psukim are familiar to us. We, we recite them every day in, in the Shema, um, you know, a few times a day. So it's telling us we, we, the Jewish people are commanded. They tell them the asulahem tzitzis to make for yourselves tzitzis these fringes on the corners of your garments, continuously make them you know forever. And of these fringes, make sure that you make one of these strings a blue fringe. Not to discuss the uh, halachic ramifications of what the blue is, where it comes from, the chilazon. There's a whole we can give a whole shear just on that. Uh, but I want to just continue going through. It says, And these tzitzis, you're going to see them. And by seeing them, it'll remind you of all of the mitzvahs of God, and you'll do them. And therefore, you will not stray after your heart or after your eyes, and you will not wander. You'll remember, you'll constantly be reminded, and you'll be doing all of the mitzvot, God's mitzvot, and therefore through this process, you will become holy, you'll become sanctified, you'll become designated. Okay, so just to start off, there's a, I have a few different ideas that I wanted to sort of mention, and then hopefully tie up, uh-huh. That was for you, Sam. Um, <laughs> together and uh, hopefully bring out a lot of meaning. So Rabbi Shimshon David Pincus uh, was a tremendous uh, Torah mind who passed away in 2001, tragically in a car accident. He was Rosh Hashiva and Ofakim. Much of his Torah was published uh, in, in a series of svarim called Nefesh Shimshon on many, many, many different topics, and they're phenomenal work. So he mentions just quickly, briefly, that we know in the Mishnah Pirkei Avos, in, in the second chapter, the first Mishnah tells us that we are not supposed to differentiate between a mitzvah kawa versus a mitzvah kamura, more of a light mitzvah, per se, or a more stringent, heavier mitzvah, because we don't know, we're not privy to the knowledge of which mitzvahs are more, you know, intense or more, you know, weighed heavily. Right. That's that's God's information. That is divine information that we do not, you know, know and we don't have access to. Granted, there are some mitzvot that we know have a bit more added to them. We know that there's an added sanctity of the entire day of Yom Kippur, and uh, you don't have with more, I would say, daily mitzvah. That's not to say that the daily mitzvah that we have are not important, but there's a certain importance almost placed on uh, on mitzvot that pertain to a specific time. So if Pincus okay. notes here that the mitzvah of tzitzis itself, we know with this whole, this whole concept, it's a very, very dear mitzvah. It's a very important mitzvah. Not to say there are mitzvahs that are not important, but it's a very important mitzvah because specifically it reminds us of every other mitzvah in the Torah. It reminds us of all the mitzvahs that Hashem commanded us. So how does it do that? So famously, or, in, or, or uh, you know, little kids know when they're, when they're little, how do, what do we know about tzitzis? What's important about tzitzis? Tzitzis teaches about all of the mitzvahs of Hashem. How does that happen? Rashi explains on the on this on this pasuk here. He tells us that the gematria of tzitzis, where tzitzit, the words, the letters, literally numerically, uh, tr- uh, go to six hundred. So we have six hundred from the words, and then with the five knots that are tied onto the strings of these eight strings together, 
I'm not a math major like you were, uh, Rabbi Reinstein, <laughs> but you can correct me if 600 plus 5 plus 8, I believe, equals 613. Right. Um, so therefore, that's how the, the equation comes out that the tzitzis, these strings that we put on our garments, remind us these, you know, otherwise, you know, if you look at a pair of tzitzis, you wouldn't necessarily think of it as anything so uh, so special, so unique, you know, it, it, on, on, the, on the surface, they just look like a pair of, you know, a, you know, a garment like a poncho with little tassels hanging off of it. But it's something extremely, extremely useful that tells us that no, these, this is supposed to remind us of them. You're supposed to look at them, and you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see all of the different mitzvos that we have involved. That you know, it, when you look at them, when the tzitzis, you're supposed to remind yourself of the mitzvah of lulav, or the mitzvah of shofar, the mitzvah of all these specific other things that we have just by looking at these mitzvos. Right, looking be, at because, these tzitzis, excuse me, because it ha- happens. Because on some level, it happens to add up to the amount of mitzvot. Uh, commandments that are traditionally understood that there are 613 of them. Um, so therefore um, that being able just to look at them um, has that, has that sense. Precisely. Right. So, so that in itself is, in, shows us the, the importance and the, the, uh, the totality, I would say of the, of the mitzvah of, of the tzitzis and how important they really are. Um, continuing on this, I just wanted to, to continue to build here. That where it says in this in the psukim about techelis about to put in this uh, these, this string of blue, um, as we know, there's much that can be said about the techelis. Um, you know, today, thank God, uh, people actually have think believe they have found the real techelis. There there is a whole movement of people that um, you know have started wearing techelis. You know, I'm sure you know many people. You yourself may do so. I uh, I'm not necessarily endorsing saying you need to do it, but <laughs> I, I do wear them. Um, I think it's a my, it's right. a very unique opportunity that we have today. But because it's still um, uh, but because it's aside, still questionable, that's why some people don't. Uh, for those listening, if you've never seen somebody with blue is, strings, yes. yeah, correct. I didn't want to bring it up, but I did bring yeah. it up anyway. No, no, all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. I mean, we, for 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 generations, 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 we didn't have the opportunity to really to really hold by this mitzvah, and uh, and and it's something today that we really do. You know, there's an opportunity, that, a possibility that this is the mitzvah that we are able to do, and uh, and many people have taken it upon themselves to to do so if they if they're able to. Um, just building off of that, the reason why we're, we're told to put in this string, this this blue in our otherwise white tzitzis, we know from the Gemara, uh, it's found in Menachos, I think also other places, it mentions that the techelis, the the bluish, the turquoise. Uh, fringe is to remind us of the yam, is to remind us of the sea, which in turn is to remind us of the rakia, the sky, which in turn is to remind us of the kisiyakavod, the the divine heavenly throne of the Almighty. So just as the sky and the sea are tremendously vast and there's no end to them, so too is this. That's what we say uh, as well about the Almighty, about He too and His mitzvos, His Torah, the the world of God that we ourselves are to keep is so vast and so unique that looking at it from the, from the level of the sea, which, you know, if you look out, if you're on the, if you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, everywhere you look, you you may see an Island, but everywhere you look in the middle of the ocean is water. If you look up at the sky, you know, you could be standing in one specific place. And if you look up at the sky, the sky will go on further than your gaze can take you. And that teaches us the tremendous, uh, vastness of, of, of Hashem about how just all of the different mitzvahs that we have and all of these different ideas that we have are truly vast and they're, they're wonderful. 
building on this idea is, is a concept that I, I saw from Rabbi Elimelech of Luzhensk, also known as Noam Elimelech, a uh, Hasidic master um, who has unbelievable things um, on the Torah and other, other things. Um, so he notes on this that the, the uniqueness, the important, you know, it, it, that's all fine and good. We talked about it, about Tzitzis and how it's great and how we have to have the Tchelis. But when, just like we said with the Tchelis, what, what makes it unique is that the sea and the sky and Hashem, they're all what we would call Ein Sof. There's no end. There's no end to them. I mean, there's obviously an end to the water. But if you're if you're in the middle of an ocean, you don't see it. If, there's obviously an end to you know the end to the sky. You see from one end, you see to the other end. But Ain Sof is how we describe Hashem. How it's a concept of how we describe the Almighty. And he says so too. That's our relationship with Hashem's mitzvos, with with the commandments that God has given the Jewish people. There's Ain Sof. There's no end. So you can take that in a number of directions. You can take that to yourself and say, there's no end. This is such a tremendous opportunity that I have, that we, the Jewish people, have to be engaged in the ways of God, that what God has commanded us to do our entire lives. There's so many different things that we can do. The Rambam in, 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 uh, in his parish, Hamishnayis, his commentary on the Mishnah at the end of Masechus Makos, notes where it talks about God wanted to bless the Jewish people, so he gave them a vast amount of mitzvos. Right. So I would think to myself, if God really wanted to bless us, and God really wanted to make us, you know, to, to get a lot of extra points so to speak, you know, quotations. Why would he give us so many mitzvos? Just give why us a couple us so easy many ones, these te- maybe. Give it, give, why would he give us so many tedious, right. uh, you know, often some things we don't understand too? Give us a couple of things, a, softball, a couple right. softballs. Exactly. Yeah. And the idea is that if, if we only had one or two or three or four or five or a handful and we didn't fulfill them, we'd really be in a bad place. Hmm. It wouldn't be so good for us. We'd be even more downtrodden if we didn't do them. And the message by having so many of, you know, like we said, the 613 mitzvahs and the outgrowth of those commandments is that there's one for all of us. There's something that even the worst, even the people who literally want nothing to do with Judaism, there's something that we can do. Some of them, something that each one, someone, you know, who may not be as learned, who may not be as wise, something for everyone that they're able to pick up. And at the same time, we know that that vastness and that Ein Sof can also conversely weigh us down. It can, it, it can make us seem that this is such mm-hmm. a drawn out process of living life that it's, it's Ein Sof, there's no end. Literally, like, you know, on the one hand, it's Ein Sof that it's so vast and so amazing, it's, it's, it's incredible. But it's Ein Sof, it's a grind, there's no end to what we're doing. So the, so the Noam Elimelech, or Elimelech of Lezhensk, is explaining to us that this is a process where we have to keep ourselves inspired. We don't stop. The world does not stop. And our connection to God and our connection to his mitzvahs and doing the mitzvahs does not stop. It doesn't tell us only that we're supposed to put the tzitzis on our garments and put the techelis and we're supposed to remind ourselves of the mitzvahs. It says in the Pasuk right there, it says we say it twi- a few times a day, that we're not only supposed to remind ourselves of them, we're supposed to do them. We're supposed to be actively engaged in the mitzvahs and doing them. It's not just enough to learn about them and talk about like when you tell someone, hey, did, did you hear when I asked you to do did, you know, do something for me? Yeah, I heard you ask me. I didn't <laughs> do it, but I heard you ask me. It's like, yeah, oh, I heard, you know, God is telling us to do all these things. We're supposed to do them. And that's the, that's the unique thing here that we, we, we're supposed to do them also. Not only are we supposed to remind ourselves of them, we have to do them. And once we do them, it says, we're not supposed to go astray. We won't go astray because we're doing the mitzvahs. We're not going to be able to be led astray by our own wants or things we see because we're doing the mitzvahs that Hashem wants us, that God commands us to do. 
and to do them is obviously it's it's a whole pattern of put of this of this whole it, it puts the whole process in motion. So we do them again and again and again and again. Right. And just to just to finish off with that idea, it reminds me of of two different things. First of all, if you ever pick up, there's a Haggadah that put, that's put out called the Haggadah based Avraham based based Aaron based Avraham, and it's a wonderful Haggadah that was written. Uh, and if you look through it, there were eight different commentaries written on the Haggadah by the same person, eight different ones. In this Haggadah, if you look at it, it's fascinating. There's each, you know, on the corners of the page, there's different commentaries. And in the middle, you know, one's more of a Kabbalistic reading, one's more of a, you know, a Gematria-based reading, one's more of a, a straight Pashup Shat reading, just simple meaning of the words. Every There's eight different chances for the reader to be inspired by one person, by one person who went through and said, how can I, how else can I find meaning in these words, in the, in the messages of the Haggadah that I've already done? Because sometimes, you know, when you might, you know, like for and just to, just to finish up, when, when you're little and you're playing a video game, all you want to do is beat the game. Right. You want to beat the game. And then once you beat the game, it's like Pesach food to you the second that Pesach <laughs> is over. It's right, it's right. trafe. You don't want to see it again. Your mission is to just finish it. So that's what people say sometimes about mitzvos. Sometimes you know, my, my job is to put on my tefillin, to do the things, and then, okay, I'm done. It's part of my day. It's part of my routine. But there's so many unique things here. Of one of the final, this really finally this time, <laughs> one of the one of the uh, the the great rabbis of the last 20 years. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, so I don't want to don't want to give a name just because I don't exactly remember. Um, an an English speaking rabbi he used to have a number of American students in Israel come to talk to him, and you know, a bunch of general life things, what people do with rabbis. And he said, there's one student that came to him and said, Rabbi. I'm so I don't know how to do this Torah. It's it's frustrating. I, I get so bored. I get so so disenfranchised by just trying to learn. There's so much going on, and and this rabbi responds to him, "How I wish I was in your shoes." Mm -hmm. He looks at him a bit puzzled. He said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I've been learning the same Torah for my entire life." This is a rabbi who was who was well into his 80s already at the time, who who ended up passing away either. I think over a hundred, if not a hundred, close to a hundred. He said, do you know what I would give to have the experience that you have? I've gone through everything and I'm not trying to brag. I've gone through all these things and I'm still commanded every single day to learn and to be engrossed in Torah. It doesn't always change. Sometimes the, the passages that are exciting are wonderful. Like when you go through, when you're, when you're going through the Parshios and the Parsha of Shavua is so exciting and there's a lot going on and there's stories. And then you hit the, you know, you hit <laughs> Sefer Vayikra. Right. <laughs> you, like this is going to be much harder when we get to Vayikra. Funny. You know, exactly. Yeah. And, and when, when you hit, you know, when you're doing, when you're doing Daf Yomi and you get brachas and there's so much going on and then you hit Erevin and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> all these different technicalities. Do you know what I would give to have that opportunity to use those fresh eyes, not you know young eyes, but fresh eyes to look at something and to 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 sort of tackle it for the first time? I would give anything. So that's the opportunity, not only to see we've commanded the mitzvahs, not only to recognize that we've been commanded and to act on them, but sometimes acting on them, like we said, doesn't always, you know, it's great because it's ain't so, and there is no end, and there's so many things for us to do. There's so many opportunities and portals of entry for us to do things. There's so many mitzvot, but at the same time, there's so many. There's so many things, you know, that we're involved in the same ones daily. Right. We're involved in the same ones that sometimes take up our entire day and sometimes take up our entire we're, – we're, we're distracted. How do we find meaning? So each person finds different ways. Each person finds a way to, to make their own life. They're, they're davening the mitzvot that they're engaged in more meaningful. 
And, uh, and that's the most, one of the most important things we can do because it can not only can transform that experience, it can transform the entire learning experience that we have. It can, you know, that you're, you know, once, once you, once you have that new experience, it's not the same as it was before. It changes you. Your, you know, your bicker cholim, it's not the same bicker cholim as it was before, but because you're, you've transformed yourself, you know, just for example. And it's, it's something that it's very easy to say, not always easy to do, especially because for, for different people, different things work. But uh, just just a couple of things to keep in mind about the mitzvah tzitzis. I hope that it's sort of, uh, you know, tied up together, yeah, literally and figuratively. Nice, yeah, um, yeah, beautiful. Um, so I'm going to transition to something a little bit a little bit different. Um, I'm going to talk about that main first story, um, or I'm going to going to ask some questions about this main first story um, that um, of the of the Miraglim, of the scouts that Moshe sends. Um, so when they get to Canaan, which will be the land of Israel, um, so Moshe sends scouts or, or spies um, out to the land. Um, those spies come back with like a very scary report. Um, they say like there's um, big giants there. Even the food is so big. Um, the way I like to think about it is that they went to a Costco and like the place was just so big and they got lost there. And like all the food comes in like huge sizes. Um, but like they come back and they're all like nervous. There's walled cities. It's, we can't win this. And the Jewish people, unfortunately, like believe them. And so they say, okay, no, we're not going to go into the land. And, you know, God is upset at them because, you know, he just brought them all the way to Israel. You know, he like did all these miracles and like, they're still not believing. And so God he even tells Moshe, like, I'm just going to start this over again. Like, we're, we're going to start this over again. Moshe intervenes and God accepts that he's just going to start a new generation. Um, but the question that I was grappling with is, like, what really is wrong here? Um, like, what really went wrong here? Like, where is the mistake? Like, is the mistake that Moshe sends out the scouts? Is it the mistake? Is the Miraglim really bad um, that they come back, the scouts that come back, um, other than Yoshua and Kalev, um, that come back and say bad things? Was that all fine, but the Jewish people should have believed them? Um, so, like, where is the mistake? Um, so I was reading an article. It's hard. I just want to jump in for a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to just jump in. Also, you know, it's just to just to point out, like these weren't random miraglim that they took. Right. These were Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. These were people that were qualified. These were these were high dignitaries. It's not like they just got randos off the street. Right. These are like the the head of tribes or whatever it may be, and like they're coming back, and maybe that's partially why the Jewish people were so like willing to believe them, right? Because these were like not just nobodies. Um, but yeah, you would have expected, maybe you would have, I, I think you would have expected a lot more from them, right? You would have uh, you would have expected them to come back with a, at least a more nuanced um, view, if not a more positive one. Um, so like, where is this, where is this mistake? Um, so I was reading this article by um, Dr. David Schatz, um, who's a professor of philosophy and ethics at YU. Um, he's also the editor of the Torah Mata Journal, um, which is a journal about like the interaction between Judaism and general culture. Um, Willie, did you did you have him in in school at all? Um, I did not uh, have him today. I've seen him before, and I've interacted with. Him. He's a very. I know also he's written a lot of the. The uh, he's put together a lot of the works about Rabbi Soloveitchik, yeah, for sure. Torah Sarav right. uh, Foundation, and it, it's it's mind blowing. Right. He puts together really great stuff. So, so my wife Hannah actually had a, the opportunity to have him a bunch of times. Um, he's also a friend of the family. Um, but regardless of that, so this article he had a really interesting idea um, that that 
this story is kind of a litmus test one like on how to what extent you believe like people's work in the world is necessary um to what extent do you have faith in God and and you know trust that God will do everything um obviously you need to do things but like to what extent do you have faith and to what extent is that faith coupled with a, a strong sense of no? I need to go and do it. I need to go and do it, and God will help me do it. But I, I need to. I need to. This only happens if I do it. Um, so he kind of shows like two different. He goes into how this relates to the state of Israel, the modern state of Israel. Um, but regardless, I'm not going to go too far into that. Um, but he he takes it in two one of two ways. The first way is is what is is that maybe there's this devaluation of work. Um, this is most strongly seen in in Rav Dessler, um, who wrote Mikdav Me'al Yahu, um, but he's a he's like a relatively modern commentary. Um, but he says basically there are three mistakes. Um, just asking for the spies are a mistake. Um, sending the spies are the mistake. The spies being the, are upset is a mistake, and then them listening is a mistake. Basically, entire way through, everyone's screwing up um, just because they should have just had faith in God. Like they shouldn't have even bothered going. They should have just walked in and be like, no, this is going to work. Um, and they shouldn't have even been worried um, that anything would go wrong. Um, so that's like one level. Um, and then the other side is a much more valuing of work. Um, and I think that's much more like the, what I would call like the modern orthodox approach, but it's certainly broader than that. Um, it's brought down by the Nitziv, Hamakadavar, um, but that, no, they were supposed to ask for spies. Like sending spies inherently wasn't an issue. Um, it's just them being upset is not, is saying like, no, we'll be able to do it with God's help. Um, the fact that they want to work hard and they want to do all their work um, isn't necessarily a problem. The Nitziv actually says not only is it not a problem, but they had to do it um, because it shows that they were getting over being slaves. Like they, were, they weren't just trusting God just like they trusted their Egyptian masters. They were really working hard. Um, and so therefore, um, they um, were, were, were working hard and also should have had faith in God. They just didn't have that second part. Um, and, um, I mean, I think this idea is very strongly in Rav Soloveitchik. Um, he writes in the Holy Man of Faith, um, that the halacha believes that there's only one world, um, not one divisible into secular and hollowed sectors, uh, but it's, it's one together. Um, and then there's this idea of like our work combined with the holiness that comes combined with God's work is what makes things happen. And it's not a problem for us to like work really hard at doing what we're doing. Um, and the reason I thought um, this idea was interesting is because I think it ties in very strongly to a conversation that's happening um, nowadays, just in terms of like, to what extent is um, is the things we do, does it come from us or was it given to us? Uh, is is This is like the religious side of it, um, but like to what extent does the things that we do, is it because God helped us do it? Or is it because we did it and maybe God was there and helping us through it, but like, no, it was us that did that. Um, and I think that conversation is still sure. something like, I don't know, our entire society is working through. Um, and it's something that I think about a lot. Uh, it's something that I think about, and I'm not sure, It's I feel like it's somewhere in, in between, um, mm -hmm. that on some level we get really a lot of help from other people and from God. Um, but at the same time, it's what we do is is – our responsibility and our uh, and our choices, and those are the choices that we make. Um, and I, I don't know. I think about that a lot. A lot. Um, have any thoughts on that? 
Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I think it's yeah. also a classic. It's a, it's a classic struggle. I think, you know, we, the, you know, leaving aside the whole mentality of, of what, you know, what was going on with the slaves, excuse me, with the, with the Miraglim, you know, in the aftermath, you know, as, as the reader going through that story and knowing what we know about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and knowing what we know about Chet Haigo, the sin of the golden calf. And you're, you know, you're, it's like, you're watching it on right. the screen and you're like, don't go in there. Don't <laughs> do this. We, you know, it doesn't end well. It's horrible. Don't do it. And you're watching it, but you can't look away because you know, what's going to happen and it happens yeah. anyway. And it's, it's, that's the fine line that I think that we, you know, especially in the modern world, the Jew, you know, Jews in the modern world, but you know, it's it's been a struggle for for generations of of that balance of you know, ain hadavar totally lob that this you know the matter that hand only you know can be done by me, like not necessarily you know of you know just that, that adage from the from the Gemara or saying that you know I need to do this versus the whole thing that Hashem will take care of us and Hashem will provide, and you have to have some sort of emuna. You know, I, I think it's a very, it is, you're right, it's, it's a very, it's, it's sometimes the lines do get blurred because you don't want to say, you know, I have to, it's like the, you know, the story with the, with the person who wants to, you know, win the lottery and all he does is dive in so hard. He has a moon that Hashem's going to do it and Hashem's going to do it. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And finally he says, well, he dies and he says, what's going on? I had so much money that you were going to do something. He's like, no, buy a ticket. What do you want from me? I can only do so much. Right. I can only do so much. But but if you're not going to be my partner in this, and I think that that also comes into into play with, with – there has to be some sort of partnership. And I think that it's true, you know, that we have the opportunity. We have the tremendous opportunity, you know, I, I think is – you know, the, this world, as we know, is is a world uh, that that gets us to the next world. Of Olam Hazeh is sort of the the waiting room, the, the antechamber to Olam Haba. Um, and so sometimes we could think to ourselves and say, you know, it's important what we do here because it gets us it gets us the ticket in, even though it's not necessarily, you know, the the important. You know, this this isn't the important world because the next world is the important world. Hmm. But the way to get to the next world is through our actions in this world. So you have to have some level of importance. I think Rav Aaron Lichtenstein uh, heard from from uh, from Ramosha Terrigan when he came to speak uh, in my shul. He said Rav Aaron Lichtenstein would say, "It's true that this world is only, you know, uh, sort of temporary, but it doesn't mean that we can't renovate the temporary. It doesn't mean that we can't. If something's a problem, we can't say, you know, this needs to be fixed and this needs to be done and there needs to be action taken here. Lo mm-hmm. you know, you, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to do everything, but it doesn't mean that we can't go. We can't go about our, our lives and and sort of see what needs to be fixed and, and work on 100 percent because there is a tremendous amount to do. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Um, thank, so Willie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, just for people, um, that well, are, for that are, are listening. Um, if you want to hear more from Rabbi Willie Bach, you can go to rabbiwillybach.com, um, and check out his blog. Um, <laughs> that's fairly easy. That's and, um, of course. and, um, good talking it's to Willie you. Willie with an IE at the end. Oh, yes. Great talking to you as always, Rabbi Reinstein. A pleasure. Okay. Um, And just uh, pay attention for next week for Parsha Korach. Bye.